Hello and welcome to the conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Cameron Regal. And we are live on Twitch in what's now uh, an annual tradition for the conversation and DK Vine. We will be counting down to the new year, 2024, in the homeland of the Donkey Kong universe. Sort of. The the English Midlands, where both Rare and Platonic are located. So it is about 5.33 here on the East Coast of the Americas, and it is 10.30 p.m. GMT in the UK. So we will be going for about 90 minutes here, counting down until we get to midnight, until we get to 2024 in the heart of the DKU. And, you know, we've been doing these season finales of the conversation since the conversation was first conceived in 2013. But this this tradition of doing them live on our Twitch channel, counting down to the new year in a specific time zone, this is our third year doing it. It's going to be the norm from here on out. It seems to work pretty well as a concept. Uh, so hello to everyone in our Twitch chat right now. Orospores is already there. Orospores uh, gave us uh, an emoji of what looks like TT the stopwatch with a pirate eye patch, which I, of course, appreciate. We got to get TT in Sea of Thieves in 2024. Uh, me. What's that? Like sunglasses to me. Oh, well, I'm going to pretend it's a pirate eye patch, Cameron, because I have to keep up the faith. Two pirate eye patches. <laughs> TT can just be really committed. He's so committed to the bit. Hello to March Rose 2011. Hello to Days of Matt Porygon. Just Andre Freezer, who's already in 2024. Uh, we are. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot about freezer time from the internet. <laughs> we are going to be getting into the year ahead uh, for for the DKU and for DK Vine. I want to thank everyone who has listened to us throughout this last year or even first discovered us in 2023 because our audience, like, this isn't me bragging because, like, we're not, like, this huge powerhouse behemoth or anything but our audience has definitely ballooned significantly especially on spotify uh, since the run-up to the super mario brothers movie sort of revived interest in donkey kong and people were doing their little searches and they were like oh i want to find out more about donkey kong wait well, who's cranky kong who's the, 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 the yeah our, our our audience is the uh, diddy from the dkc tv show yeah, or or some sort of, like, Sherry Lewis puppet. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they, they, they were searching for us, and they found us. And uh, thank you. Thank you for finding us. Uh, you know, people can criticize the Super Mario Brothers movie. You know, c- cinema files surely have faults with it. But I like it because it uh, made us more popular. So that's why I gave it a B. Uh, but, you know... Our audience is bigger than it's ever been before, and hopefully, I think, we're only going to continue to grow in 2024. 
I don't like to quote The Simpsons, Cameron. You know that about me. I think I think a lot of people who watch our streams know that I am loath to reference The Simpsons. But to quote Disco Stew from off of The Simpsons, uh, if these trends continue, a because uh, I I don't see any reason why people won't continue to Google the Donkey Kong. I just don't. I just don't. But. <laughs> As I said last year, when we do these episodes, it's always sort of a stupid exercise. It's basically setting yourself up for failure. I predict this is going to happen. Because I feel like DK Vine and the conversation, we're realists, but we've also got a finger, maybe a prosthetic golfing finger, on the pulse of what is coming for the DKU. Of course, some things come that we never see coming, like getting Diddy and Funky in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That was not part of our predictions last year. But trying to narrow down in this era of extremely long game development, trying to narrow down what's going to happen in an arbitrary calendar year is stupid, right? It, 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 I, I, I don't like doing it. So why do I do it? Well, <laughs> it's tradition. But also, it does feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think we can all sort of feel it in the air tonight, oh lord, that it feels like we're on the cusp of some stuff, doesn't it? It it, it sort of feels like 2023 was a slow year as far as game announcements releases for the DKU, right? For Donkey Kong, for rare for platonic but it feels like it's one of those place setter years where things are getting kind of cute cute up for us a little bit it's a bit weird in that um it feels like one of the another one of those years where we didn't get a new donkey kong game but it feels like we got a lot of donkey kong like things adjacent to a donkey kong game and like where the gears are still the gears are still turning. The machinery hasn't grinded to a halt. But um, in most years I'd describe like that, the reason I would describe them like that is because we were getting like Mario sports games or DLC with Don- or uh, DLC like campaigns with Donkey Kong mm-hmm, or yeah. Donkey Kong guest appearing in Skylanders. Um, yeah. This is a little bit different because it's, uh, well, two of the biggest things this year were Starring in an extremely successful film and uh, characters in uh, DLC for a game that has been active for nearing a decade now. Yeah, this 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 feels like, and when you say an extremely successful film, that's I I think pretty important to like highlight because no films were successful in 2023, but the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oppenheimer and Barbie. Everything else bombed. Everything else bombed. So there is some sort of a cinematic, like, uh, wind in Donkey Kong sales right now. But yeah, this year has kind of been everything but the game. Everything but the big Donkey Kong game. We're getting all the ancillary stuff, it feels like. But. Oh, and as Power Gone. Q points out in the chat that we've got the Lego sets. The Lego sets. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to review 2023 really quick here because I don't normally like to review the past year because we all lived it. We all can remember it. But I think 
it's worth doing in this case because I don't think we all really recall how big of a year it was because we don't have. Are we gonna do? Are we gonna do an Oscars in memoriam for Swanky? Uh, no, Swanky's all right. Swanky's all right according to your holiday <laughs> yeah. card. Swanky <laughs> survived. Yeah. I, I've undermined my own joke by showing that he's fine. Yeah, it's 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 okay. It's okay. <laughs> I think that it's easy to lose sight of how much we got this year because we did not get the new game, the new Donkey Kong game in our hands. And so we, we look at where we are compared to where we were last year, and it just feels like a whole lot of nothing. But when we're going back month to month, it was a whole lot of stuff. And I think it's clear that this is really the setup to what's going to come. I I compare it to how things sort of felt in 2009, although this is that amplified by a far greater magnitude. 2009 was like extremely quiet, but if you re- were really paying attention, you could tell something was up with Donkey Kong. And I feel like we're at that point now, but it's something is very obviously up with Donkey Kong. Yeah. I I guess it shows like my changing perspective because in 2009 I was just kind of resigned to well I can't really count on anything being done with Donkey Kong ever again <laughs> right that right. I'm interested in yeah <laughs> yeah it, it there is and a... now it's now it's just a, this ambient feeling of I'm never certain anything is going to happen but I'm confident something will happen eventually right yeah, it comes with maturity. It comes with going through enough of these cycles that we kind of have some perspective. So, like, really quick, 2023, we got, um, we we got, of course, the Super Mario Brothers movie. And, yes, the Super Mario Bro- Brothers movie was dumb. I, I can admit that. It, it, it wasn't that great of a movie. It had a fairly rotten screenplay, but I feel like if you're a fan of Mario, then it then it was just for you. I feel like if you are a fan of Donkey Kong, it was a surprisingly emotional experience seeing some of these things get validated on such a large and widely embraced yeah. platform as this as this movie on the silver screen that brought in all these families, all these people from various age groups coming in, seeing Donkey and Cranky Kong celebrated as father and son, which I know some younger fans who aren't really accustomed to that notion might have had a problem with the way that was presented for older fans of the rare era like like who who were contemporaries of that era and who did think of the characters as father and son like i never thought i would see the relationship portrayed like that again and and it was uh it was surprisingly affecting for me you know like i i don't really think it was a, a terrific portrayal of cranky kong like i think fred armison was just doing bernie sanders uh, Seth Rogen was was doing his own take on things, but the core emotional relationship between the two was, I think, the truest it's ever been portrayed in any adaptation. And when I say any adaptation, I'm just talking about the 90s cartoon from Nelvana, but it, it, it was definitely a loving father-son um, 
situation they had going right and like donkey kong wanted to prove himself to cranky and uh, you know that that whole bit it rang the truest for me and hit the hardest it is like the strongest arc in the movie as much as it has one it it, it was like the best bits of the movie are the bits that shouldn't have been in there in the first place because i say this time and again (laughs) like as a donkey kong fan i'm glad it was in there the donkey kong stuff wasn't necessary for the movie (laughs) but yeah it's it's admittedly like super detrimental to the screenplay but like i am extremely just giddy about the fact that like donkey kong country hijacked a solid third of this movie (laughs) and it really did did. it and was hitting all the right notes while it did it was a terrible decision for the integrity of the movie itself (laughs) but as a donkey kong fan i'm not really going to complain about it (laughs) i think the, the Donkey and Cranky stuff, if that was off, if it was just Cranky Kong is miserable and hates Donkey Kong, I, I, I probably would have walked away from this movie saying, ugh. But I liked it. I liked it because I like that. And, you know, the cameos, as superfluous as they were, we got Diddy. We got Dixie. We got Swanky, which and we knew about Swanky, but then, you know, like... Chunky was a a rather late surprise. We didn't really know Chunky was going to be in there until closer to release. Chunky and Swanky, two characters who like, like are aside from like static PNGs and Smash Ultimate are completely MIA and have been for years in the in like actual Donkey Kong games. I don't want to discount their amazing arc in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate where they became disembodied spirits. But it, it is true. Well, as we've established, that nearly happened with Swanky again this time. Yeah, yeah. But it is true. Out of all of the Kongs, they are the ones who have been, along with Kitty to to a certain extent, they have been the ones most neglected since the buyout. So for them to get this little shine, I, I know every, like... Fans of various Kongs will be like, well, where was Kitty? I know we can make arguments that, oh, that Kong and that Mario Kart sequence was supposed to be Kitty. I, I mean, I my know. answer to that is you got to keep something in reserve for the Donkey Kong movie. That's that's I, I am certain that's why Funky isn't in the movie. I agree. I, I do agree. And people have been I feel like people have already given up on the idea of a Donkey Kong movie. We're going to we're going to get into a little bit of this, but. I do think they do still intend to make a Donkey Kong movie. I think they want to fast-track the Mario movie. But I I do think a Donkey Kong movie will happen at some point. But, yeah, I, I think it really meant a lot to see Chunky Kong, like, in the Ring of Kong sequence. Just, I, I wasn't expecting that much FaceTime for Chunky, right? Uh... Swanky had that whole, you know, crash and burn sequence. And, you know, we didn't even realize it. Some of us didn't even realize it was Swanky when we first saw it because it was so quick. But to to have, like, the camera linger on Diddy, Dixie, and Chunky all together, I, I really liked it. It it was... It, it took me away because it even established... It, like, established a new character dynamic I enjoy but I hadn't ever thought about before, which is that, like, Chunky is the third platonic friend in the group of Diddy, Dick, and Dixie. And that's, like, very sweet. That's a cool role for him, just their, like, big friend. When you when you said he was the third platonic friend, I was like, what, Biebs, Lil Gator? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does um, 
give me some hope, right? That everything from Donkey Kong's past is now back on the table when it comes to. I think. I think at the time I compared him to like he he's the he's the like Joseph Gribble in the in the group of like Bobby and Connie. I'll take your word King for of it. the Hill. I'll, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I I stopped watching King of the Hill. Probably what I stopped watching The Simpsons, but and I know the quality was maintained for King of the Hill. I'm not comparing the two, but it it, it gives me hope that hey, like all of Donkey Kong's past is now on the table again. This isn't the situation where there's a new Donkey Kong game in development, so we have to recreate Donkey Kong's world from the ground up again. Obviously, that's not going to be the case with all the capital being invested in the Donkey Kong brand right now, but just seeing some of these really wild throwbacks uh, get a new lease on life or, you know, near-death experience in the case of Swanky, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really jazzed for the future. And the Super Mario Brothers movie gave that to us. So yeah, that's why I gave it a B, people. I'm 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 coming at it as a fan of Donkey Kong. I'm like like I said in my review, if I was just actually grading it as a piece of cinema, I would have been far harder on it. But you know, it, it pleased me. It tickled me. Uh, it, it's, you know, uh, it's it's solid for what it was trying to do. So, Andre... And importantly, kids liked it, and it was financially successful. Sure, so. whatever. Yeah, I, I don't really care if the kids liked it. But Andre says in the <laughs> chat, like Zelda, the Donkey Kong spinoff movie will actually be live action. I, I would be all for it if they were just wearing costumes, like the actors were wearing gorilla suits. Let's get weird with it. So, uh, oh, uh, Devo DD, or maybe Devod, uh, in, the, in the live stream says, as a marketing vehicle for Universal's new park, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Yeah, there was some real corporate synergy at work there, wasn't there? So... Also in 2023, like you said, we got the Lego Donkey Kong sets, which, again, this feels like we're getting all the tie-ins that we should have gotten for Tropical Freeze when Tropical Freeze came out. And we're we're just now getting them because we need Donkey Kong product because we're building up to something. And Tropical Freeze is still the most recent standalone Donkey Kong game. So now Tropical Freeze is finally getting... All of the tie-in merchandise it should have been getting long, long ago. But the Lego Donkey Kong sets are terrific fun. I do have to admit, I still need to finish setting mine up because my problem, and Cameron, you can actually relate to this a bit. My problem was I moved uh, about a month after they were released And so I didn't really have time. I didn't want to set them all up because then I would just have to disassemble them when I moved. And so then I moved and I got into a DK vine full-time fugue state. And I haven't been able to really just take the time to build some Lego sets. So that's, I really need to do that in 2024 is finish my Donkey Kong Lego sets. Cause as we established on the conversation, Cameron, they are Canon. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I need to see how the story ends. I, I still haven't had the uh, funds to afford any of them, but uh, I'm hoping that they've made so many of them that they're not going to like shoot up in price aftermarket when I finally can. Yeah, I, I think they're going to stick around for a while at least. I don't think they're going to discontinue them. 
I mean, the, the Mario stuff has been like sitting around for several years at this point, and it seems to be not going anywhere. I think so. I think the only like Mario stuff they discontinue are like the waves of the standalone like blind box figures you can get. But I, I, I think the actual sets have mostly stuck around. I could be wrong there. I'm not a Lego person by nature. So. Yeah, but that 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 was a that was a huge story. The the Lego Donkey Kong sets, of course, Diddy and Funky and Mario Kart Eight Deluxe is is a relatively recent thing. I don't think we need to go over all of that again. We spent quite enough time discussing it. But when I looked back at our predictions, because I actually listened to the episode we recorded last year for the New Year's forecast, and yeah, it cracked me up how we discussed Mario Kart Tour at at a somewhat significant length. But we never discussed Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the possibility that we would get new characters in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And as it turned out, we did get a Donkey Kong variant in Mario Kart Tour, but we never got Cranky Kong. There, there, I, I said last year, you know, if we didn't get Cranky Kong when the movie came out, we probably would never get him in Mario Kart Tour. And I was right. But yeah, the idea of, of new characters in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe wasn't even on the table until February of this year. And Right. Because it bears repeating, when they announced the booster course pass, they specifically said it would only be tracks. Right, right. So a little bait and switch on their part, but I'm, I'm glad they did it. And I'm, I'm glad not complaining I'm, anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very glad we finally got Diddy and Funky and Pauline and Pauline. But Diddy was the one we had been lusting after since 2014. So uh, we got that. And of course, the unveiling of Donkey Kong Country and Osaka uh, in Super Nintendo World and Universal Studios Japan coming in spring 2024 and it'll Don- be com- coming Donkey in Kong or- Country the theme park subsection not to be confused with Donkey Kong Country the game Donkey Kong Country the GBA game Donkey Kong Country on virtual console uh, I- I'm starting to I feel like this is why Nintendo does it has that stupid practice of saying game for Nintendo Switch at the end of everything they announce yeah not to be confused with donkey Kong country barrel maze not to be confused with coco pebbles boulder dash so we we just discussed the the osaka park in in great detail and and it's coming on orlando in 2025 so i i, I don't need to like recap for anyone there but yeah a lot of stuff a lot of stuff was being set up this year and I think that bodes really well for 2024. So let's get into it, Cameron. Let's get into the actual forecast and, and what we could be seeing. Now, none of this is us saying this is what we are going to see in 2024. But I do think 2024 is shaping up to have far greater potential than 2023 had. It feels like we're on the verge and it's just a matter of will the games be ready will they be done will they be ready to go and let's start with play tonic all right we haven't talked about play tonic much this year on the conversation yeah uh, there's reason for that i guess <laughs> yeah they, they've been pretty quiet they, they have been pretty quiet and a lot of their social media presence has been promoting the Playtonic friends games because what they are publishing from other indie developers has been the full extent of their output, right? Like, I I think the biggest thing that happened with ukulele characters this year 
was Trouser in Clive and Wrench early in the year. So um, I said last year on our episode that Platonic was surprisingly quiet in 2022. And lo and behold, here we went again. Here we, you know, here we were again, another year of almost radio silence. But they did open up relatively recently, just a few weeks ago, they gave an interview with Nintendo Life. And uh, they, they have they have a pretty good relationship with Nintendo Life because Nintendo Life has reporters that can just pop on over to Platonic headquarters whenever they want. And um, it's been over four years since Ukulele and Impossible Layer came out. And that, that game, I don't think I need to tell you, Cameron, you don't need to tell me, but it was superlative. Like, for all of the doubts some people had about Platonic after Ukulele, Ukulele and Impossible Layer showed, proved that they can make a top-tier game that is not only a nostalgic throwback, but also does some pretty innovative stuff with the genre it's throwing back to. So, Ukulele and Impossible Layer came out right before the pandemic hit. And, and it really got us all excited about Platonic's future. In that time, uh, Tencent purchased a minority stake in the studio. I know, I know, nobody's really happy about it, but that, that has afforded them the room to expand. They opened up the secondary workspace in Leamington Spa, and thanks to this recent interview, we now know the following. Platonic has 55 employees currently at the studio, give or take. They are, they are aggressively hiring. They're moving from their office park headquarters that they've been in for several years now to a bigger studio space in Burton-upon-Trent. And I'm probably bungling the pronunciation of that because there's probably some wacky regional way to say that. Apologies, everyone. I've never been able to visit Platonic HQ, unfortunately, as it currently exists. And I'm happy that they're moving to a bigger space. But I, I'm kind of mourning, because I really like this idea, this this stupid notion that you had this, like, studio creating these throwback games to the 90s in this, like, weird, depressing... Wernham Hogg slash Dunder Mifflin style office park purgatory, you know, like just under these really draining <laughs> fluorescent lights. And I, I just love the idea that this is where they're making their googly eyed mascot games. And I don't know, there's a certain charm to that, that, uh, you know, now that they're actually moving into what, what, you know, your, your stereotypical startup tech, workspace i'm just like oh it's a shame i i like them being in this just random office park with these other businesses but eh, good for them good for them gavin price the studio head of platonic had this to say about their next project this is a direct quote from the nintendo life article i'm not going to do his voice i'm not going to do a silly voice here just going to read it like i would read it I've always loved being surprised, and I've always loved surprising people. And I think that's something the industry's lost a bit, to be honest. I think everyone has, I think everything has to be known of and marketed and hyped to such an extent 
that you almost get fatigued when you start playing the game, and you don't seem to play... I personally don't play things through as much as I used to. I always feel like I've already played halfway through before I've started, and then I get to a certain point in the game, and I'm done. And I think I'd love to us to just surprise people. Whether it's through an announcement, whether it's once they get their hands on the game, there being something about it that they didn't quite realize. I really look forward to those moments. So, yeah, Cameron. I, yeah. What, what... Uh, that's a sentiment I can really sympathize with. Um, like, I've... I mean, people who know me personally will know this. I am, like, extremely, like, spoiler-averse in that, like... Where you show me, and I, I will reach a threshold where you, you've shown me enough of your game, and I don't want to see any more because I want to mm-hmm. have those unique discoveries when I play it. Um, and in that regard, I get like keeping things, playing things close to the chest, and not kind of letting people get sick of seeing a game way before it's actually ready to hit shelves or marketplaces. Um, that said, um, I, I I feel like Tukalele is kind of like the worst kept secret at this point. Yeah, yeah, it is. It it, it is the fact that it exists. The fact, yeah, um, I have people. I, I encounter people like all the time, like you say, like, look, I I know D- Donkey Kong DK Vine has said all these things, but I'm not getting my hopes up that a DK game even exists right now until we see it. Um, with Tukalele, I don't think anybody has that problem because they have not been quiet about wanting to make it, working on something big. Um, there was that audio clip Gavin did that uh, bleeped out mention of a game's title, but the it very much sounds like he said Tukalele. Yeah, there, there's the fact that Nintendo Life, speaking of Nintendo Life, extrapolated from the inter- interview they did with uh, the, the um, what gamesindustry.biz or something, where they extrapolated that Gavin was saying that Tukalele was in development. They ran the article. Platonic retweeted that article and then quickly unretweeted it. So it is the worst kept secret in the world. Um, we, <laughs> we've we've already kind of just thrown up our hands and say, yeah, it's Tukalele yeah. and. I mean, they did a whole developer commentary series where they are constantly saying, like, well, next time we'd like to do this. Yeah, yeah. And implying there's a next time. (laughs) It does sound like they are really, really trying to deliver on this one. You know, the same quality they cooked up with Impossible Lair in the full-throated 3D platformer sequel of the original. And similar to making a... Like not not quite a in as dire a place, but I think similar to um making like wh- whatever team ends up charged with making a new banjo kazooie, which I'm taking as a foregone conclusion at this point. We'll get to that. Yes, but yeah. um they've got their they've kind of got their work cut out for them with a ukulele a direct ukulele sequel rather than what Impossible Layer did, where kind of went off in a different direction because. And this is something that I feel like impacted already impacted um, Impossible Layer negatively. Um, ukulele kind of had a rocky reception, um, and to have a new game like 
come out swinging immediately knock people you want it to come out swinging and immediately knock people's socks off and just completely cast any of the shadow hanging over the first game aside right even even considering like you know i i enjoyed the first ukulele but i'm not going to pretend that everybody didn't have problems with it or yeah, that like, it didn't have kind of this reputation hanging over it. Yeah, I'm not bashing ukulele. Uh, I did enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I just, I, I look at ukulele and I, and I see all the little compromises that were made for it. All those Kickstarter promises they had to get in there that it was kind of a death by a thousand cuts situation where for my money like ukulele is a vastly superior game to donkey kong 64 nostalgia aside i have a lot more fun playing ukulele than i do dk64 and ukulele controls beautifully i think i think it controls better than banjo kazooie and tui it's just a fun game to romp around in and i would say um even taking into account it's a completely different genre, completely different scope. Um, I feel like Impossible Layer just shows a lot of lessons learned from the from the original ukulele and learned extremely quickly. Yeah, yeah, because because the original ukulele was a study in contrast because you would have wildly varying quality. The game design would just like whiplash from world to world. And- and as you said, they were kind of like strangled by Kickstarter commitments that they made very, very early in development. Yeah, yeah, that, and you and know, it, in a in a design process not like propped up by that, you could have the leisure to say, "Well, this isn't really working out. We can retool this. We can change this into something else." But kind of very much locked them into certain decisions. Yeah, and I, I do feel like the way they had to develop it, it was a, like a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and you didn't have that grand unifying sort of Greg Males to say, like, this is what the game is. This is the vision we're adhering to. And that's not to say I didn't have a lot of fun with it, but then you would hit areas where you're like, eh, and then you would get past that and you'd be like, ah, and, you know, so it's it's still a remarkable achievement for an indie studio's very first game. And I think the reception was such because it was held up to the the rare days back when these people like, were, <laughs> were, were like had corporate backing of Nintendo, you know? The the Venn diagram of of rare and platonic is held to the standards of making Banjo three <laughs> right. So <laughs> n- knowing that platonic can just produce an absolute banger like Impossible Layer that like made it to my all time favorites list in no time flat. I'm really excited to see what they can do with Tukalele. I do think it's going to mm-hmm. uh, be impressive. My o- my only concern is. I do generally agree with where Gavin Price is coming from, but I I also worry they haven't done enough to keep enthusiasm for the ukulele brand alive in the last four years. I think that it's it's hard for people to get excited about things like Corpro Nation 
or other platonic friends games that sort of go so hey. far outside. And this isn't me again, criticizing the quality of any of those games, but I think when you're marketing them to your pre-existing built in fan base, the, the uh, platonic friends games that had the most traction were Lil Gator game. And then to a lesser extent, demon turf. And then after that, it's just kind of, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a, an engagement problem. And uh, there have been some qu- qu- questionable marketing moves, um, I, I think, but um, n- not necessarily ones that are always their fault. But Right. And, and again, like we had I, a massive pandemic right after Impossible Layer came out, which completely upended the way the industry had to deal with development for quite a long time. So w- when you do factor that in, 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 in the way, like, obviously I can't expect the same degree of this happening from, from a, a much smaller indie studio, but in the way that like, I am never doubting that Donkey Kong is going to stay around even when he's not getting games for like 10 years. Yeah. I feel like, like proof of life for Yuka and Lele would be good <laughs> to have. I agree, but I also don't doubt the Platonic and the people who are really committed to Platonic at Platonic. I I have no doubt that they love those characters and and they love the little corner of the world that they built up for these characters. And I I think once we see the fruits of their labor and then that just built-in enthusiasm, it will do a lot towards being infectious and, and reigniting people's excitement for these characters in this world. I mean, like I said, when Impossible Layer came out, it had this effect where it made me like a lot of the characters of Ukulele all, all the more because you would have these little catch-ups with certain characters. And it was just really fun to like, oh, this is a character I didn't even particularly think about all that much with the original Ukulele, but they're back! And and this is what they're up to now, and that makes me appreciate them a greater deal. Like I said, uh, Ukulele and the Cracklestone, the wonderful graphic novel by DM Combo, that made me like the character of Rextro so much more, and, and Trouser, and uh, so I, I think once it's out there, it, it will hopefully get people excited again about ukulele i i do hope we hear something this year though i i don't want to hit a half decade mark of silence from platonic when it comes to what what's coming next but yeah especially when one of the nice things about platonic um in the early days was um that they were a smaller team with indie studio expectations and like didn't necessarily have to follow the modern industry development trend of every game takes seven years to develop because of the expectations around them. Right. Right. So I, I, I want to give them time to cook, but also, you know, I, I hope we hear something when, before we hit the five year mark from impossible layer. And I, you can't see it right now, but I'm tapping my wrist as if to say, all right, come on, come on. Uh, just give us a little teaser. Let us know. Let us know there's some life there. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really I'm feeling good about Platonic, and that's all I can really say at this point. With them not 
showing off Tukalele and the purported up to two other titles they've got in development. Who knows if that's accurate at this current state, but uh, hopefully this time next year we can look back and say, oh, wow, you know, they, they really delivered with that announcement. I, I don't know if we'll actually see their game released in 2024, but I do hope they at least announce what they're working on. So. Yeah, agreed. We talked about the spiritual successor. Should we talk about the originals? On December 1st. Oh boy, let's, let's yeah, get into it. On December 1st, Cameron, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer gave an interview with Windows Central. And as I said on my, in my news article about this, Windows Central, really, Phil? I mean, could it be a, a, a nepotism situation anymore? Windows Central are such nepo babies getting interviewed, Phil Spencer. Uh, Phil Spencer said the following, and I'm not going to do a funny Phil Spencer voice. I'm just going to read it as I would read it. Uh, you did a good job at laying out some of the examples from the past. Thinking about Age of Empires, we're on the 10th anniversary edition of Killer Instinct, which is another nice example to think about. There has to be passion in the team behind the projects. That doesn't mean that the team has to be the original team every time. I'm not one, and maybe this is just my approach, I'm not one to come in and take a franchise from a team and remove them from the discussion or development process on how something new gets built. I think the original creators, the culture, frankly, some of the lessons we've learned from past experiences here are very important. You've seen from our history that we haven't touched every franchise that people would love us to touch. Banjo fans, I hear you. But it is true that when we find the right team and the right opportunity, I love going back to revisit stories and characters that we've seen previously. Oh boy. Oh boy, Cameron. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, in the past couple of days, we have seen the Banjo-Kazooie rum- rumors reignite again, thanks to... And in my notes here, I, I wrote down, thanks to Nate the Grape... Parentheses, note, look up Leaker's actual name because I don't remember. Um, I put Nate the Grape. That's not right. It, 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 <laughs> it, it's Nate something, right? I'll let somebody you're in the You're asking the wrong person because these, these rumors kind of go in one ear and out the other anymore for me. <laughs> I'll let somebody in the chat hopefully come to our rescue. Uh, Days of Matt says, Nate the Hate. Okay. I like Nate the Grape better because I like grapes. We have a t-shirt you can get, dkvon.com forward slash merchandise. If you like grapes, if you like apes, it's a shirt for you. But Nate the the Hate, uh, Nate the Hate said uh, that Banjo-Kazooie is in development and it's in its early days. Now, I can't, like... Um, say that that's an accurate report. And I don't normally just run rumors on DK Vine from other rumor mongers aside from us. But look, we talked about this on last year's New Year's forecast, right? This came up then. 
Porygon Q clarifying uh, Nate Drake. Um, that actually corresponds to. Um, I had to. I had to do some digging to look up this this screen cap from a from what I assume is a reset era or something. But uh, yeah, it has the uh, awkward like fan art model of Banjo and Kazooie next to it, uh-huh. which I really wish wasn't circulated as part of this because. Right. I feel like people are just going to see that and assume those are official designs and not like them and raise hell about it. Yeah, yeah. So Nate, um, Nate, Nate the Drake? Yeah, uh, Nate Drake, like Nathan Drake from an Uncharted. It's also his avatar. Oh, um, so, so it's not... Okay, okay. So it's not the Uncharted guy. It's not Tom Holland who's actually saying this. Um, yeah, it's a it's a Nolan North. <laughs> so last year we we talked about this, Cameron. This came up on our New Year's forecast, twenty twenty three, and I said something to the effect: "This isn't verbatim, but I said I was going to make a bold prediction, and I said that it wasn't based on any insider knowledge. So don't take it as me, Heil Russell, getting the scoops and uh, sneaking them to you in a little cone." This was just me being a fan of the DKU for 28 years, Banjo-Kazooie for 24 years then, and just having a gut feeling. And I said that something was in the works for Banjo-Kazooie, something within Xbox Studios, probably through an outside studio. And I said it didn't necessarily mean it was knee-deep in active development, and it could just be the talks and plans had been drafted and initiated and... um. I, you know, I, I've been maintaining since Banjo and Kazooie got into Super Smash Brothers Ultimate that we would be seeing them back with a game of their own sooner rather than later. And later can mean a lot of things. You know, later can mean 30 years in the future. But I, I meant within the decade. And again, uh, just to do an aside to the chat, March Rose uh, 2011 says the screen name on family boards is Nate Drake, but he also goes by Nate the Hate, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, this is a whole world I'm just like stumbling so around. I'm offering to give this leaker Nate the Grape if they want it. That, that's yours, buddy. You can have that too if you want another name. Because, you know, you, grapes are wonderful. They're, they're a delicious treat. You can shrivel them up into raisins. You can make wine out of them. They're multi-purpose is what I'm saying. And just like you with multiple names, perfect for you. But anyway, I uh, again, 2019 saw Banjo-Kazooie beaten and added into Super Smash Brothers Ultimate late 2019. And then, of course, just like Impossible Lair, it happened right before the pandemic shuttered the industry for over a year. So... It's not surprising that we haven't heard anything since then, right? Like that the initial momentum was not followed up on. But I said last year that I did believe Rare will have some superficial oversight. Maybe not superficial. Maybe that's putting too loose of a terminology on it. But, you know, we look at Battletoads 2020. Delala borrowed Paul Collins. And I think Banjo-Kazooie is viewed by a lot of fans of a specific generation, and even some younger than that, as being Rare's marquee property. Maybe for some people that would be Perfect Dark, 
or, you know, whatever. But as far as, like, what you associate when you think of Rare, I mean, nowadays it might be Sea of Thieves, but, you know, I, I, I think Banjo-Kazooie is up there. And... Yeah, it, it's their Mickey Mouse. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to... Like, it may not be their most popular thing at any given moment, but it's the most wrapped up in their identity as a studio. So I, I could see this being sort of less of a Killer Instinct 2013 situation and more of a Battletoads 2020, where it's still effectively being done by an outside studio, but Rare gets some sort of co-billing on it. And, and yeah. And this is something I feel like I don't need a leak to believe because it just feels like the appropriate, obvious play. Exactly, exactly. Like, to be clear, all right, I do not know anything personally about this myself. This is all just being around long enough to talk about and and to have a hunch. Same with you, Cameron. Like, the only thing I know about Banjo-Kazooie possibly being in the works is there is a lot of industry smoke about it right now. People in the video game industry are talking about it, being little gossips, and that's probably also what Nate is smelling, right? So, none of my usual sources have told me anything, nor do they know anything. And I imagine it's on a need-to-know basis within Xbox Studios, as these things are at this stage of development. I do know, I, I can say that Within the last five years, there have been various Banjo-Kazooie pitches that have been made to Rare and Xbox Studios, most of which were rejected, of course, because they didn't actually bear fruit. Um, Some serious proposals, and I've heard some of these, and some of them might have yielded great Banjo-Kazooie games. Some of them didn't really excite me much for a concept for a Banjo-Kazooie game after all this time, like... For example, a prequel to the original Banjo-Kazooie. I'm like, not really. I'm not really interested in that. I just kind of want to catch up with the characters now. Thank you. But I've also heard some pretty wild proposals, like wild swings that probably would have never been given any serious consideration. But for my money had been wonderful concepts. And I don't even I don't, I don't want to divulge what they are just in case they ever have the possibility of happening, but like ideas that I hadn't personally thought of. And once I heard about it, I was like, that's actually what I would really want for a Banjo-Kazooie sequel slash um, revival. Right. So I I know it's been active, right. People trying to get a Banjo-Kazooie game off the ground. And I do think there's probably something in the works now. It would be shocking if there wasn't. So, you know, I, I'll, and in the works, like meaning at least like being discussed, I would say. I, I I would even be so bold as to say we're past that stage. Because I don't think Phil Spencer would have invoked the name of Banjo if there wasn't some headway being made there. Like I know advocates at of the, the very least. Mostly I'm tempering expectations because I don't want to paint a picture of, oh, there could be screenshots tomorrow because I don't think that's where we are. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it's at that stage yet. No, I look, I know advocates of the modern console wars love to paint Phil Spencer as some sort of cartoonish figure, like some 
imbecile, some, you know, buddy who just sits around in their diaper eating their own poop. Or some Bond villain mastermind buying up the entire video game industry from their volcano lair. Um, but I think we can all agree he's probably a pretty savvy guy. And I don't think he would have brought up Banjo-Kazooie if there wasn't some sort of plan in some stage. At the very least, he seems very... Um, like, in, in, at least in to what I paid attention, I'm pretty good at not stepping in it when he has to give these very extremely calculated PR responses. Yeah. And this just, like, like this is a third rail you do not touch is, is bringing up Banjo-Kazooie in any capacity. Right, right. So I think on some level, he'd have to know that you got to put your money where your mouth is. In the in the in the chat, Andre asked a prequel. So someone pitched a Diddy Kong Racing remake. Boy, I wish. I I would have had no problem there. No, um, I like I I don't know how the actual chronology would have sh- shaken out, or if it it would have even acknowledged Diddy Kong Racing. Maybe a midquel between Diddy Kong Racing and Banjo Kazooie. I I don't know how the, the specifics, or even if it got that far. But um, yeah. I, I think that I'm feeling pretty confident about Banjo-Kazooie now. I can't say with any certainty, unlike Donkey Kong, that, yeah, yeah, something's in the works right now. But I do think we're far, far closer now than we were a year ago. And I can keep saying that every year, and it's plausibly true. But <laughs> I, I, I do feel pretty confident now that yeah, there, there's something happening with Banjo-Kazooie, and it's just a matter of time before they're ready to reveal. Like, I I don't want it to be this thing where it's like Perfect Dark's a revival, where they reveal it, and then nothing. You know, like, I, yeah. I, 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 I do want there to be a little bit more bite to the reveal. Re- um, so really hoped that game was going to hit this year for synergistic t- game takes place in 2023 reasons, but uh, I'm I don't want I I don't want game development to be rushed to hit arbitrary dates. Like like we've said before, like this was the 25th anniversary of Banjo Kazooie, but there was no way that they were going to arbitrarily tie into that. It, they all like the studios only bring up anniversaries when there's that kismet, when there's that convenience of, oh, hey, like, we have this ready to go and we can tie into this or we can repackage something really quickly and get it out. Yeah, there have been times a studio does greenlight something to be a milestone celebration like rare replay but those cases are few and far between right right so i wanted to talk a little bit about sea of thieves while we're on the subject of rare and how you think sea of thieves is going to fare now that it will have some genuine piratical competition with the talk about a game that's been long in development the release of Skull and Bones in February. So Ubisoft has been even courting some of the bigger Sea of Thieves streamers to kind of come over to their side. Like, oh, look, Skull and Bones. Look, ooh, look, you can kill hippos in our game. Come on over. Uh, 
Cameron, like I, I know Skull and Bones isn't, it's not a one-to-one comparison, right? Skull and Bones isn't just a bigger, batter sea yeah, of They play completely and, differently. Yeah, and it, ignoring all of the things I could be cheeky about, like it being in development hell for so long, or me, honestly, still like side-eyeing that release date and saying, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I Skull and Bones, at least in its earliest footage we saw, was trying so hard to be a completely different kind of game from what Sea of Thieves is. And I mean, my reaction to it was like, well, I don't really have interest in this because what I saw in Sea of Thieves, I don't see here, not because of like a quality disparity, but because of just my specific tastes. And I feel like that will be true for Sea of Thieves as well. You might have some people jump to Skull and Bones. You might have people start with Skull and Bones because Sea of Thieves never appealed to them in the first place. But Sea of Thieves has such a set-in audience at this point, and it's not like it is a dead game. It's still getting constant content content updates and rollout. Yeah. And has that built-in audience that followed it this far um, because Sea of Thieves had that core appeal to them that I don't, I genuinely don't think there's anything to worry about. The the industry can enjoy two cakes. I agree. Like, I think there might be some drop-off when from Sea of Thieves when Skull of Bones comes out, but I, at this point, Sea of Thieves is an institution for Xbox. It's it's almost been around for six years now, and it's got a dedicated player base. I think some of the like players who play it for just that hardcore PvP, pew pew, now you're dead style gameplay might be attracted to Skull and Bones. But I think the personality of Sea of Thieves, I think the impishness of Sea of Thieves that, that Rare has cultivated... I think that will continue to hold a loyal and true audience. So I, I'm not that also worried about it. Also, let's be real. Some of those uh, streamers being courted by Ubisoft are also uh, making money streaming Sea of Thieves. So yeah, yeah. They've gotten incentive to stick around. Now, Ubisoft knew better than to ask me, right? Because, uh, you know. It's not going to be DKU, so they didn't. They didn't. They didn't come dumping up the money truck. No, to me. no, they they needed to strike when the iron was hot, and that was right after you played Donkey Kong Adventure. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to like smuggle uh, rabid cranky in this game. Uh, <laughs> you never know. You never know. But I, th- I think the only one they could like only DKU characters they could legally use would might be like Ryan Styles. Uh, famous, beloved, conquer character Ryan Stiles. And I don't see Ryan Stiles being in Skull and Bones, quite honestly. That's my bold yeah, 2024 uh, prediction, Cameron. Just, just, we need to keep them far, far away from Scoff. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, one of one of the... I, I don't even know if this is still in the game, considering how much... It, it this kind game... of just became an in-joke with us, specifically yeah. following us through all of our Sea of Thieves streams. So in one of the little previews of Skull and Bones... It showed that your pirate could hunt hippos and murder them. 
and and like cultivate their bones and and what have you. And so hippo murder just kind of became our catch-all like it, reference point for skull and bones. It, it kind of became this like extremely easy go-to of like explaining like why skull and bones isn't for any of our core friend group. Right, right. None of us really have interest in this. We're we're, we're the ones who feel bad. Element. We're the ones who feel bad when a pig runs into our sword play on the beach with skellies and we accidentally kill a pig. And so we're not going to go out and hunt endangered species like like a, a sandwich maker in in a large sandwich chain from the US would. Um so yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I'm not that word. I think Sea of Thieves has done a good job, one, building its audience and, and, and keeping it loyal, and two, uh, Skull and Bones not being able to come in relatively early when Sea of Thieves was still new and, and take away its thunder. I think Skull and Bones being a development hell, it hasn't missed its window, per se, but I, I do think it, it lets Sea of Thieves kind of entrench itself. So, um, at least with the Xbox audience. So, I'm not that worried about that. Finally, before we move on from Rare, Cameron, Everwild. Do, do, do you have any, any bold statements to make about Everwild before we move to Nintendo? Cameron Nintendo. Uh, well, hold on. Andre has some points to make about hippos. Andre says, I mean, hippos in the real world are legit psychopaths. They're way more fair game as a video game enemy than Sea of Thieves sharks. Okay, I hear what you're saying. In, but- self, in self-defense, yes, but that doesn't seem to be... Like what this this resource farming mechanic is yeah. really leaning on as justification. Plus, hippos are friends of the DKU. You can roll over them in Barrel Maze. You can pierce their nipples in Donkey Kong sixty four. You, you like why? Why would you want to hunt them? They 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 grasp onto logs and forests and you can jump on their heads that's right yeah i don't i don't want to resource farm that there's like the the useful tool they provide us are their bodies let those bodies stay where they are <laughs> all right cameron nintendo and donkey kong here we go first of all let's talk a little bit about nso plus expansion pack. So, last year, we were like, oh, I hope we get Banjo-Tooie. Hope we get Diddy Kong Racing. We didn't. We, we didn't. We, we didn't get those. We got Jet Force Gemini, of all damn things. And, and that's not me besmirching Jet Force Gemini. Jet Force Gemini has always been a rare game that I've struggled to get invested in. For whatever reason, it just... I just doesn't click with me. Maybe because it's not DKU, but also just because. Yeah, we, we, we've had this discussion in private before, but it's like, it's so hard not to have this discussion and feel like we're throwing shade at Jet Force Gemini. Right. 
We're not. Because Jet Force Gemini is a beloved like cult classic game. But that's just it. It's a beloved cult classic. And if um, Rare Games on Nintendo Switch Online were this limited commodity of like, okay, you get three. Jet, Jet Force Gemini is not going to be three on that list. No, and it, it, that's why it was so surprising. Like, for one thing, it I, I was happy to see it. Because, you know, in, in the back of your head, you're thinking, even if Jet Force Gemini is not the rare game from the N64 that I want on NSO Plus Expansion Pack, I'm still happy it's there, because it does mean, like, why would they go to Jet Force when Banjo-Tooie's right yeah, there, it, when, when Diddy Kong It feels racing? like, oh, if... It feels like a sign of, oh, if they can cast the net this wide, then... Like, most of the games I want on NSO from Rare should have nothing to worry about. Right, right. Like, I, I, I could still see, knowing our luck, the possibility that we just never get Diddy Kong Racing. This golden, ripe opportunity to bring back Diddy Kong Racing. I could see us not, like, just completely blowing past that. Just like the opportunity yeah. to put Virtual Boy games on the Nintendo 3DS it- came and went <laughs> that's exactly my go-to thought that's like the standout example of all the stars aligning to do something and nintendo looking the other way right yeah so who's to say but i i i, I am still holding held hope for banjo Tui. diddy kong racing Donkey Kong 64 has some wonky emulation issues uh, and and it was present on the Wii U. Yeah. So I really have to imagine emulation issues are like the reason we haven't seen it already. I feel like Donkey Kong 64, as controversial as it is within our circles, like that is the in-demand game for Nintendo to personally want out of this deal. Yeah. Because it's it, it's their IP. It's a major game in one of their marquee franchises that people are going to seek out because elements of it are in Super Smash Brothers. Right. Like they they want that to like put on a big banner on their digital storefront and say buy, <laughs> go to NSO, go get NSO. Like we we do Ex- know that the uh NSO team at Nintendo is relatively small. A- and so part of the reason I think we have such a like slow staggered release cycle is because they do what they can you know you, oh you get a game working get it up on there um so yeah and, and unfortunately of all of the like various branches of like the nso um legacy game back catalog nintendo 64 seems to be suffering the worst as far as emulation accuracy right right uh polish now, that, that being said, for the first time, I would say there is a genuine possibility. I wouldn't bet any money on it, but there is a genuine possibility we could even see Conker's Bad Fur Day on NSO because... Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you want to explain this? Uh, yeah, so um, alongside the launch of uh, Jet Force Gemini on NSO um, in Japan, which... I guess I should say the launch of Star Twins. Um, they launched this sort of like 
fork app, forked app in the uh, for Nintendo sixty four on Switch for eight eighteen and up games. Um, specifically, it's featuring at the moment um, both Star Twins and the Japanese version of Goldeneye, and we don't seem to have like this in the U.S. yet because. There's no reason to um, Jet Force Gemini does not have does not have that high of a rating. Goldeneye got to keep its T rating, um, which I, I kind of I, I still kind of wonder about that. Seeing Perfect Dark get an M and Goldeneye keep its T, I'm wondering what the what makes a difference there. But regardless, that Nintendo has shown a willingness to cordon off these adult oriented games in Japan to um, have a bigger library yeah, is giving me hope that they're open to the same thing in the U.S. Well, hey, I mean, Disney... And that suddenly puts Conquer on the table. Yeah, Disney Plus is, is now adding M-rated content, not M-rated, you know, TV, MA content to their platform. So, you know, I, I can see Nintendo following suit here. Um... I think Conquer is the least likely out of the entire rare library on the N64, just for issues of good taste, right? Like, I, I think violence is widely held more acceptable than some of the stuff and, Conquer has in there. But um, And additionally, it's like, we've talked about emulation issues. Conquer seems like a particularly troubled one. i I think like even when Rare Replay launched, there were some minor hiccups with Conquer that were ironed out Rare, later. Rare was always able to push the limits of the hardware, especially during the Nintendo years, right? They were always able to do these ridiculous feats with what they had to work with. And a lot of that was like MacGyvering things to the point where it's really hard to recreate whatever the hell they were doing to get it to work. And that's that's the downside now, you know, some 25 years later where we're like, oh, would love to see this, would love to see that. But like they they only made this game possible under these very specific circumstances and actually emulating that is a just huge, huge ask. So yeah, what, what do you mean? We what do you mean? It's a problem that this was timed to account for the console lag, right? Yeah, that's that's the Donkey Kong 64 thing, really. And that's why the Wii U version was just a, a miserable experience. But moving on, um, in, in our live stream chat, we, we brought up uh, the the specter of the Switch 2. Uh, Devo DD or Devod says that clock is ticking hard, though depending on when Switch 2 comes out and if Nintendo does a big reset of NSO for the new system. Here's the thing. God, I really hope not. I don't think they will. I I, I, I think if... if Okay. If the Switch successor is actually imminent, I don't think we would still be getting updates on the NSO now. Like, I think there would be just this quiet backing away. I think... I'm hoping that Nintendo Switch Online survives the transition. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Nintendo is finally realizing that in this modern era, you don't have to start fresh with every new console 
and that uh like a, a new console is just an evolution of yeah. what came before as far as software goes the thing that gives me at least a little bit of hope for this scenario is a while back a like some quotes that came out of a like a shareholder a Nintendo shareholders meeting were circulated and they were mostly circulated in the context of ooh Nintendo's hinting about the Switch 2 and what could this mean but like that that's not quite what they were actually talking about yeah. but um they were there was mention of you know continuing a smooth smooth in in transition from the Nintendo Switch to the next console they'd like to make sure customers can smoothly transition while still utilizing their Nintendo accounts yeah and that's a that seems like a very different operating procedure from what Nintendo has consistently done the last several generations um where like you really can't count on your library to be carried over um no. you might still have all your purchases on your old hardware and be able to maintain those but like you know i i bought a bunch of things on the wii u eShop that i am not gonna ever be able to play on my switch <laughs> yeah yeah uh, no name nine 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 in the live stream says we're paying twenty dollars a year for it. The NSO better be Ford compatible. I, I think that's that's also that a is case. a solid point. Yeah, that that's also a good case because we don't actually own those games, right? We're 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 leasing and them. We're if we're... you and if you want to um, keep people invested in your subscription service, they better be able to play the things they want. Yeah. I think Nintendo fans are just so snake bit going from generation to generation that there is that fear. But yeah. But, um. But by the way, uh, Chris says I would love the 64 DD catalog to be released on NSO. I want to play Mario Artist and share little clips from my Switch. I would just love more Japanese exclusive games to be available worldwide, like the color version of Donkey Kong Land Three. That that it would be fu fun to finally get that as a f actual Western release, but I digress. At the, uh, the Japanese version of Donkey Kong Country, where you can kill the rock crocs with a hand slap. <laughs> no, I like the rock crocs being extra scary. I don't like, you could do that in the Game Boy Color version. That's fine, but keep the original. You, you say that, but it is so cathartic to take them out after like haunting childhood nightmares. So just, <laughs> just, just, on. just to, uh, Remind everyone, we are about 13 minutes away from the new year, from 2024, in the UK. So we will continue our discussion of Nintendo and Donkey Kong. Uh, but when midnight comes, we need to do our big countdown and, uh, you know, wish everyone a happy new year. And then we can go back and finish our discussion before the end of the episode. So we're not just going to cut off once midnight hits in the UK. So... Yeah, let, let's talk a bit about the Switch successor, because this is what really generates clicks. This is what really gets Nintendo fans interested. And I have to say, I'm probably bad 
at being self-employed with my own video game website because I don't care. I really don't care about the Nintendo Switch 2 or the Super Switch or the Switch U. I, I And I know I should. I probably should. But I'm perfectly content with my Switch. Maybe that makes me a freak. I don't know. But I, I think a large part of it is that we never got a standalone new Donkey Kong game on the Switch. And so there's part of my soul that isn't ready to move on from the Switch. So <laughs> I don't really care. I, I, I don't care. Like, I don't want to have to buy a new console. I just got a Series X. Give me a break. I don't want to have to buy a new Nintendo console <laughs> as well. And then, like have to do the whole thing where, oh, it's out, but you're not going to be able to get one for two years unless you shiv somebody in Walmart. I don't <laughs> want to do that. I don't want to shiv anyone. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard uh, to care about it. On the one hand, on the one hand, I really would like a Switch with a bit more horsepower because later and later on in the Switch's life, I'm starting to see more and more games that are suffering from optimization issues and i mean kind of the same thing you see in the late stages of every console um like we just talked about the nintendo 64 sure um where the hardware is being pushed to its limits and then sometimes past its limits um so in one regard like yeah i'd like to see a switch too um but also I'm not going to going to salivate and grasp at every single straw of speculation. I'm just going to enjoy it when I see them show off whatever it is and uh uh lament that I'll have to buy it. Yeah, that's my thing. It's it's never really interesting for me, right? And and maybe it's because like cold hard statistics like ooh, this is what this console can do. That doesn't interest me. Right, that's just all. Uh, like, for me, I care about is the games that I'm interested in, and everything else is just like, oh, I finally I got my Series X. Wow, Sea of Thieves looks great. This is amazing. Um, but like, I'm not gonna rattle off all the specs of the Series X because I just it just doesn't hold my interest. It really doesn't. And so yeah, like I said, I'm probably. Uh, terrible at like generating content that people want to see because people want to talk about the Switch too. I I I don't give a rat's ass. I just want a Donkey Kong game. So let's talk about the Donkey Kong game, Cameron. I would say 2024 or 2025 would be the ideal time to release it to tie in with the park in Japan or the opening of the park here in the U.S. in 2025. I, I I had said on a previous episode that I really hope they would announce the Donkey Kong game the year E3 is back. Yeah, about that. Yeah, I hope they don't take me <laughs> literally there and just cancel it now. <laughs> I... You know, I've said all I really have to say at this stage about the Donkey Kong game in development. I've explained 
why I don't know anything more about it. It's because my sources were cut off the second it went overseas and, and, and development stopped here in the U.S. So I don't know anything about it. I don't even know if it's actually still being developed at Nintendo EPD. I assume it is because I don't see why that would change. But, you know, it, it has been a good solid five years since I last heard anything about it. So I don't know. I don't know. But the the theme park would be an ideal window. To, that Again, I, I don't think they're, they're going to try to rush to get the game out to, like, ride any hype for the theme park. But I think having a theme park there will help generate excitement for it nonetheless. Yeah. It, it's the synergistic you want you want a game to tie in with the theme park and you want the theme park to tie in with the game because you want people to play a game and see, well, hey, if you like spending time in Donkey Kong's world, I've got great news for you, kids. <laughs> right. Right. I've heard it suggested that Mar- the Mario versus Donkey Kong remake coming out in February is actually uh, the, the the product that Nintendo is getting out on store shelves to tie in with the park opening. But that doesn't really jive with me. It, it doesn't really read as, as an accurate assessment. Just because Mario vs. Donkey Kong incorporates exactly zero elements from Donkey Kong Country, except for the Donkey Kong Country style yeah. Donkey Kong. Like, at most, I could see, like, the Mario movie yeah. having such a, like, Mario and Donkey Kong, like, odd couple dynamic having, like, made the light bulb go off. They could re-release Mario versus Donkey Kong, but that that's really all I'm willing to attribute. That's exactly here. what I think happened, I, actually. I, I think that uh, Nintendo Software Technology Corporation, or NSTC, as all the cool-ass dudes call it, they saw the success of the Mario movie, and they were they thought, well, shit, <laughs> we we can just remake that game from two thousand four, and and have it out in time for its twentieth anniversary, and ride the the good vibes from the Mario movie. I think that's why we're getting it, in all honesty. But talking about theme park synergy, it does beg the question. I know Retro is stuck in their own Metroid Purgatory, Metroid Primagatory, but could we, should we, see a Switch port of Donkey Kong Country Returns this year? Uh, Assuming that a new Donkey Kong game isn't ready to go yet, and, you know, there's no fear of cannibalizing any sales. Because if ever there was a year to do a waggleless version of Donkey Kong Country Returns for relatively modern hardware, I would think this coming year or next year would be the time to do it, right? Yeah, and uh, if playing Donkey Kong Country Returns again with the Idaho crew has ta- taught me anything, it's uh, I would really, really like to be able to play this game on a display that has a larger vertical resolution than uh, 240. It's ridiculous. Because I, I look at your streams of it, and I'm like, what's wrong? Is, is there something wrong with their setup? It it looks so muddy and, and blurry. And then I realize, oh, wait. 
That's just the Wii. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, that's just that's just what DKC Returns looks like when it's not running in Dolphin. Yeah. Um. Chris in the live stream says, by the way, you guys are currently being backed by Rick Astley, who's playing the New Year's Eve show on BBC One for some reason. I was really confused there for a second. I was like, I, I, I read that as we are currently being hacked by Rick Astley. And I, I didn't know why he was on our Twitch channel. Uh, it, Yeah. Porygon says a returns port feels likely. I don't want to say it, it's likely because... If I know anything about Nintendo, it's that the obvious thing is never what they want to do. But you have all of these Donkey Kong Country Returns elements, not even Tropical Freeze elements, right? Donkey Kong Country Returns elements baked into the DNA of the theme park. And I just find it fascinating that it's a game that will be over 13 years old when the park launches in Japan, over 14 years old, when the park launches in Orlando. And, and I'm like... Yeah, you're, you're going to have a core audience of, like, 10-year-olds who don't know who the heck Tiki Tong is. Right. So, Tropical Freeze for Switch was great. It, it would be nice to have the entire retro duology on there as well and and to give us maybe a definitive version of returns without the waggle because the biggest problem is you know the the version that doesn't have a waggle is returns 3d which of course you sacrifice frame rate and graphical fidelity for playing it more traditionally and the new levels so yeah and i I would hope that those new levels make it into a theoretical switch board even though i Kind of not the most confident they would. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of hoping we get it. Even if the new game does come out this year, I'm hoping it's just going to be one of those Mario situations where here's just all the Donkey Kong product. This this is what we're releasing this year. We're all about Donkey Kong this year. Deal with it. <laughs> um, we're, we're coming up on two minutes to the new year, Cameron. So let's uh, let, let, let's keep going. But I'm going to I'm going to interrupt us come hell or high water here as far as the new donkey kong game goes uh i have to laugh at all of the hot and spicy takes out there not mitchell's take i know i said spicy and that's his thing but there there are a lot of people there's a lot of befuddlement out there about why nintendo and universal are investing all of this capital in a Donkey Kong expansion to Super Nintendo World when Donkey Kong isn't a big brand, when it isn't a hot enough brand. Why are they doing this? Uh, shouldn't this be Zelda? Shouldn't this be Splatoon? Why are they putting all this money in Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong hasn't been super relevant since Rare was involved with Nintendo. And I've always said you don't have to believe our reporting on there being a new Donkey Kong game in development. You just have to use the logic center of your brain and ask if Nintendo would really just let the series lie in dormancy while millions of dollars are being put up to create a facsimile of its main setting across two different continents. Think it through and ask yourself... 
would they be doing this if there wasn't a Donkey Kong game in development? So, there's a yeah, Donkey Kong game. It just doesn't make sense it to have no. DK be a dormant franchise when they're doing all this. No. Okay, we're coming up on... Uh, I'm, I'm going to start the countdown now. 10, 9, 8, 7, Nine, 6, eight, five, seven, six, 4, five, 3, 2, four, 1. Three, Happy two, New Year! One. Happy New Year to all of our Yay. friends in the UK, to Rare, to Platonic. Uh, we got to sing the song, Cameron. We got to sing the traditional New Year's song. All right, you, you ready? You know how it goes. Should old game Should characters old be game forgotten Alive. It has just been dealt a really crappy hand for the past 20 years. 
And the biggest problem has been that the game that was in development after Tropical Freeze got scuttled because it was being done by an outside studio and company that wasn't necessarily invested in being Donkey Kong's permanent home. So my absolute favorite take, and by that I mean my absolute least favorite take, is how can there be a new Donkey Kong game? Retro is doing Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> the wonderful thing about about this, Cameron, is that it's going to soon be out of our hands to generate constant hype for Donkey Kong. Not that we are the only ones out there who do it, but sometimes it feels like we have to generate enthusiasm when there's not a lot to talk about. And we have to kind of keep that torch alive, at least with the hardcore, the most hardcore of the hardcore Donkey Kong fandom, right? The great aspect of the park is that it will be an infinite generator. It will be constantly creating new Donkey Kong fans, even without a new game. There hasn't been a new standalone game in a decade. The height of Donkey Kong Country Mania was, in fact, 30 years ago in 2024. 2024 is the 30th anniversary of the original Donkey Kong Country. So, that would be a problem. The the ukulele problem that we were talking about, like, are, are these characters falling out of fashion? Are they going down the memory hole? The new Indiana Jones movie bombed this past year, Cameron, because uh, they hadn't done enough to keep the Indiana Jones brand alive with younger millennials and Zoomers. Nobody gave a shit. So they didn't go see old man Harrison Ford getting grumpy about some sort of dial. And... uh is that is that also Donkey Kong's fate? Donkey Kong Country, which was heavily homaging an Indiana Jones movie. Well, here's the beautiful thing about Donkey Kong Country existing as part of Super Nintendo World in Japan and in the U.S. People will just go to Universal Studios now and they will fall in love with the characters and the concepts of Donkey Kong. It's how Disney properties have remained evergreen for 68 years now because they exist in the park and they're kept alive by the people who go to the park. And like I said on the episode I did with Dustin about this theme park announcement, all the like the the, the beginning of the official hype for it. The theme park fandom is just a sizable and fervent as video game fandom. So this is going to really expose a large percentage of the population to Donkey Kong and friends for the very first time. And so we don't have to really worry. People are going to fall in love with them and then they're going to want the new game. There's going to be a demand for more Donkey Kong products on store shelves. And we don't have to we don't have to do a damn thing. We don't have to talk about Trough and Scoff piercing their nipples. We don't have to talk about how technically Conquer is a Donkey Kong spin-off, which means technically Ryan Styles is a Donkey Kong universe character. All the nonsense that we go on and on and on about will be irrelevant because people will just find it and they'll say, This is pretty cool. 
I want to buy a video game about this. And that's the beautiful thing about where we're heading into as a fandom in the coming year. It's going to be so easy to be a Donkey Kong fan. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice change of pace, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Days of Matt says, Professor Chops fans are becoming dozens after the park. So... <laughs> let's hope not let's let's hope there are limits to this theory uh no i'm professor chops i'm fine with you just get a better render but they didn't they didn't even create a new model for him cameron we see all of these new models for the characters in these theme park ads and yet they use the same stupid render of professor chops on the tote bags i hate it yeah i hate it mixing mixing renders that are like a decade apart drives me insane and it keeps happening uh, Chris has a question. Question for Hyle and Cameron. By the way, we're gonna we're gonna interact with the live stream for a few more minutes before we call it wraps here. It's only fair now that we're done prattling on about our own nonsense. So if you if you want if you want if you have a question, come at us now if you're watching on Twitch. Question for Hyle and Cameron: What 2024 wish would you have for fandoms that aren't DKU? Uh, I hope you don't complain if they announce a new Donkey Kong game. <laughs> Let us um, have this one. <laughs> uh no, Cameron, do you have a serious uh, answer to that? I'd like to hear literally anything else on Perfect Dark. Uh, not literally anything else. I'd like to hear good news on Perfect Dark. <laughs> yeah. Although I still feel like that it's not DKU, but I still feel like that has some Venn diagram interest in in the DKU fandom, so I think that's cheating, Cameron. I think I think you you weren't entirely honest with Chris's proposal there. Uh, <laughs> Andre is asking uh, about circumcision. I'm circumcised. Yeah, my parents did it. Um, you know, had I been born a little bit later, I probably would have avoided the scalpel. But you know, I am. It's it's a good look. It's a cute look. Um, March Rose. I don't, says, I don't remember circumcised being one of the pigs in ukulele. <laughs> March Rose asked, "Will Heil finally watch Shrek?" Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be probably rejiggering the Patreon tiers. Maybe that can be the new high end Patreon tier. Well, well, as I've learned on this episode, I need to start yelling at him to watch King of the Hill. Days of Matt ask uh, if they pour DKCR, do you think they're going to add new content? It's probably going to be bare bones because I can't imagine. I imagine Retro would be involved and I imagine they have their hands full already. So I don't think it's going to have too much new. I would guess it also depends on like, is this going to be like a, a complete overhaul like the Mario versus Donkey Kong remake or would it be like an up port kind of like the, the Zelda games have been or like DKCR running in Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right, I so... think trending toward the later is probably more likely. Yeah. I just, I just want it. Cause I do really like Donkey Kong Country Returns. I have my criticisms about it, obviously, but it, it's a game I do have a lot of love for. And honestly, at this point, nostalgia for, so I would really love to play it in an easily accessible fashion that's not on my 3DS. So, yeah. yeah. I 
feel like I would probably have like more consistently warm feelings about Donkey Kong Country Returns if it if I didn't have to go out of my way to replay it again. That's right. That's right. We're getting questions about a tro- scoff and trough or cut. Can we can we just nix the circumcision discussion? This this I mean maybe we'll do a a conversation episode about it. We'll just go down a list of every character in the DKU. But right now, this is not how I want to end season eleven of the conversation. Uh, <laughs> Porygon asks if they announce a Tukalele, what's the feature you'd want to see most? <sighs> Surprise! I'd like me. for the goldfish in uh, Doctor Puzzle's bowl to tap the glass three times. <laughs> yeah. Steve Mails was furious that that didn't get in the original ukulele. No, I I think at this point, I just want them to surprise me. Because here's the thing. If you would have asked me if Platonic makes a spiritual successor to Donkey Kong Country, what I want to see, I would have not I would have not predicted Impossible Layers main draw, which was the um, overworld. And and. Because they they surprised me with that, and that became such a delight of that game. I want to see what they have in the works to make Tukulele an evolution of of the old banjo style. That that's not just here's banjo kazooie, but big. We've seen that enough, right? Let's 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 go some interesting directions <laughs> there. Uh, no name nine 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 nine. I'm probably skipping a nine there. I'm sorry, no name. What's next for Chunky Kong? I just want Chunky Kong to get the respect that Chunky Kong deserves. I, I, I want Chunky Kong to, if Chunky Kong's not playable, and I, I don't think Chunky Kong would be playable in the new Donkey Kong game, but I would want Chunky Kong to at least be in a good place in his life. And I want that to be acknowledged in the game. Like, I want Chunky to be happy and confident. I want Chunky yeah. Kong to feel good in chunky kong's own skin so um there's a lot of these dk characters where i just i just want confirmation they're around yeah yeah they don't have to be doing anything important they can just be there uh we're in the middle of an ad break according to uh what twitch is telling me so we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep prattling on through the ad break before we finish this uh this this episode uh Malik is here. Hi, Malik. Malik says, Happy New Year, chums. Happy New Year to you, uh, Malik. Happy New Year. Just Andre asked, do you think Chunky Kong is also Chunky down below? Stop! Stop it! Stop it! Uh, Chris says, 2024 is a leap year. What DKU holiday would you like to establish on leap years? Oh, my. Winky Kong. Uh-oh. Winky the Frog Day. Or 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 Radley Day. I just did a big video about Radley and and Radley's fame in the DKU uh, on the inaugural video of DKU lore tour. So I would want people to watch that. Video yeah, yeah. Malik least. catching me in my verbal misstep that I made during the ad break. Fortunately. Oh, but well, it's going to be in the because I, I, I see a W and I want to say Wrinkly Kong. Yeah, but it's yeah. I just meant Winky. Yeah, we, we, you you want Winky to be given the respect and being granted honorary Kong status is is what you're saying. I think we I think we can all agree on that. So yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big year for DK Vine. First point of order 
is making sure our website is actually working. We've been having a lot of technical difficulties recently. We're going to get the website working properly in, in the in, in the week to come, hopefully. We are taking a little bit of a break from the conversation in January, as has been our custom in recent years. But we are going to come back, batteries recharged, with Season 12 of the conversation. Can't believe we're on season 12. Uh, so it, it's going to be a really good year for the podcast. I have a feeling. I, I think it's going to be a good year for DK Vine. I think it's going to be a good year for the fandom, whether it be Donkey Kong, whether it be Banjo-Kazooie, Mammy Conker. Mammy Conker is going to get some, uh, something thrown his way. I don't know. Uh, Star Fox, probably not. Doubt it. Doubt it. But hold out hope you never know we're 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 going to oh my god somebody's setting off fireworks stop it who is setting off fireworks they were setting off fireworks on christmas eve cameron past midnight they started setting off fireworks in this neighborhood and i'm just like i live in a dystopia i really do but it's it's fine it's fine it's fine it's going to be a good year it's going to be a good 2024 for the dku and uh Thank you all for a tremendous 2023. It means the world to me that you've stuck with us and and that we do have the audience that we do. You're all very, very lovely people. And your support and continued audience uh, means everything to me. So thank you all. Have a good new year. We'll be back very, very shortly for a new season of The Conversation. We're going to have so much in the way this year. What, what do we have coming up this year? Oh my God, the Spotlight episode for Donkey Konga? I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to have some surprising interviews. I'm, I'm going to line up a lot of interviews this year. We're going we're gonna to start getting that bucket list uh, ticked off. And I don't just mean the character witness for Leaky. It's, it's going to be uh, a really, really packed year for the conversation so happy new year thank you orospores days of map porygon martros chris andre uh we got no name with the 999s after that we we got uh malik was there devo dd or devod uh we, we've got uh freezer freezer was there i'm i'm forgetting people did i say days of matt i i don't know i don't know i'm terrible with names this is where it falls apart i better just end it now this has been a file two production Terrico.